Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. In the air right. Ronald is there. And the Braves have won the East. It's time for our Atlanta Playoff Post Game Show as we take an in-depth look at the latest game with our insider Grant McCauley and get your take on today's game. I'm just so proud of our organization because, like I say, it takes the whole building to, to do something special, and we just gave ourselves a chance to do something special again. The Atlanta Playoff Post Game Show is on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now, here's Grant McCauley. And welcome in to the Atlanta Playoff Postgame Show. Grant McCauley joined by Corey McCartney on 92.9 The Game here in the Kia Studios. After what was, let's just call it what it was. It was an absolute beatdown of the Atlanta Braves in Game 3 of the National League Division Series. They were unable to solve Aaron Nola. And as it happened, they were going to need a whole bunch of runs on this night because that's what the Phillies came with in their first postseason game at Citizens Bank Park in 11 years, they pick up a 9-1 to victory over the Braves and a two-games-to-one advantage in the NLDS. We're going to go through all of it, no matter how painful it is. And, of course, we'll take a look ahead to Game 4, which will be happening on Saturday. Corey, let's dive right in here. We thought that the return of Spencer Strider might be a boost for this club, but unfortunately, it was not what they needed, not what Spencer Strider has been known for, and the Phillies, they really figured out a way to get to him and the Braves bullpen in a disastrous third inning. I mean, it started out well enough, right? Perfect through two. He'd thrown 15 pitches at 98 miles an hour higher, hit 100.6, and then it just kind of went off the rails. And you have to look back and wonder, did they keep him in too long when we saw the drop in velocity in that third inning? Yeah, and that third inning was really where the wheels came off, and it, it came off pretty quickly as well. The leadoff walk to Brandon Marsh was, I think, the play in that inning that immediately popped up the red flag because keeping in mind Spencer Strider had not started a game, had not pitched in a game since September the 18th against these very same Philadelphia Phillies, by the way, for a very different outcome. You knew that there might be a short leash on Spencer, and at the very least there was going to be a pitch count or an innings limit in place. We just felt like it was going to be an inning-to-inning thing. And six up, six down, the first two innings looked pretty good. It was just what happened after that was the loss in velocity and, of course, making a big-time mistake to Mr. Reese Hoskins. Yeah, so he threw 16 four-seamers at 98 miles an hour higher, which was his season average. But only one of those came after the second inning. Uh, The four-seamer that Reese Hoskins hit was at 93.8, which tied Strider's lowest velo of the entire season which came in September 18th which was that last outing so I mean it was a major drop you're talking about almost five mile an hour difference off what we're used to seeing from him I mean he's hitting 101 miles an hour in the first inning that pitch to Hoskins tied for the slowest pitch a fastball that is yeah of his big league career I mean that was a pretty good indicator that things had kind of gone from all amped up to maybe just not quite having enough and we knew this layoff was going to be a storyline one way or another unfortunately the storyline read pretty poorly for the Braves and for Spencer Strider, who made his first career postseason start. You know, all of the you know the the thoughts and the wishes and the hopes and the expectations that were wrapped up in this one, it just flat out did not go the way he nor the Braves needed it to go on this day. And on the other side, 
You had Aaron Nola on the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies, who, as I mentioned, were playing their first home game in the postseason since way back in 2011. We're talking about the Philadelphia Phillies of the Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay version. This is a very different team, but as we saw a year ago, and I want to talk more about Aaron Nola in just a moment, but just in, in the bigger picture for this Philadelphia club, they have to feel an awful lot like the Atlanta Braves did last year, where they got into the playoffs. They weren't the club that everybody was looking at. The Phillies had 87 wins in the regular season. They finished in third place in the East. The Braves had 88 wins last year. That was good enough to win the National League East, but this is the Phillies club that is talented, and as they've shown by beating the Cardinals and you know, coming in and taking a serious advantage on the Braves is going to be a force to be reckoned with in this series. The Braves already know from fighting against the Phillies all year long, this is a tough opponent. Yeah, I mean, you knew there, that momentum was going to be crucial, right? I mean, certainly that you take down two of the hottest teams in the National League, I mean, to this point anyway, having a series lead on the Braves. I mean, the Cardinals were playing better baseball than almost anybody, uh, not named the Dodgers in the Braves in the second half of the season. And the Phillies are in this position now. They took down the Cardinals already. They're up. You know, yep. the Braves have them face, uh, facing elimination. Aaron Nola was fantastic. Had a 19-inning scoreless streak dating back to September 28th. It was snapped by Michael Harris in the, the sixth inning. So you've got extremely strong starting pitching. We know what this offense is capable yeah. of for Philly and what they can do in Citizens Bank Park. And we clearly, clearly saw that tonight. Well, we saw what Aaron Nola was doing at Citizens Bank Park. Six innings of one-run ball, five hits a walk, and six strikeouts as he kept the Braves handcuffed all night long. Of course, we're going to be recapping this game. We're going to be setting you up for game four and continuing to talk about everything going on throughout this playoff run for the Atlanta Braves here on the Atlanta Playoff Post Game Show. But a big part of this, of course, is all of you out there. We are taking your calls at 404 741 We're going to have Ryan, who's a Braves fan up in Philadelphia, lead us off tonight. Uh, Ryan, I guess you might have had a bird's eye view of what was going on up at Citizens Bank Park. And uh, from down here, it didn't look too great. No, it wasn't great. And, and to be honest with you, I think the whole the whole the the whole uh, game changed uh, with Strider's, you know, attempted pickoff at first base. Yeah. You know, look great before there, uh, before then, and that that little error, I think, just you know, just turned the whole momentum. The stadium, obviously, with you know their first home game since 2011, I think they really amplified behind that. Yeah, I really think that it did, and that's one of those things where you know every little thing in the playoffs. We talk about a base runner is a rally in October because I think Corey that that is very true. And Ryan brings up a really interesting point because the four pitch walk probably had Spencer Strider feeling some kind of way. Then he's taken a, a, a very you know close look at what's going on over at first base, and just happens to make a bad play. And and obviously bigger worse things happen in that inning, but it really just seemed to be an amalgamation of things, a domino effect. For Spencer Strider in that frame, Corey. Yeah, without question. I mean, you know, it makes the two the two base error throw there on Mars, and then Bryson Stott a nine pitch AB to deliver that RBI double, and then after that, you know, the this, the Schwarber walk, and then the Reese Hoskins just takes him absolutely deep, three hundred ninety four uh, feet there for a two run shot, the JT Romito single, and then it's day over, and yeah, it just felt like everything just kind of went downhill for him after that uh, that throwing error to try to get Marsh at first. Yeah, it did, and that unfortunately is just one of the things that did not go right in that inning, and one of the things that, you know, obviously as we watched Spencer Strider all year long was certainly not a worry, was, you know, what's going on with his pickoff move over to first base. It was just a bad time for one of those kinds of things to happen, and as it did, you know, you have a runner at third base, and then all of a sudden for Spencer uh, that long at bat, you started to see that he was throwing fastball after fastball after fastball against Bryson Stott, finally decided to go breaking ball. And I felt like, and I know John Smoltz talked about this on the broadcast, which may have a lot of fe people feeling some kind of way, depending on what he was talking about at what given at bat or pitch in and at bat. But I think he was right. I think it sped up Stott's bat. And I think that was why you saw him rake that one into the corner for the first run of the game. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Brian Snicker had said pregame that they ch- he checked in on Spencer Strider and he said he was planning on going nine innings and he wasn't kidding. And I, and I sort of well. wonder how much, and not that <laughs> they were really going to let him of go nine course. innings, but I just wonder how much the belief in this guy and his stuff in overcoming the fact that he hadn't pitched since September 18th. You know, we, when we talked about this, you know, multiple times in the last couple of days, he didn't get to go through any of the normal processes that he would have in between starts. He couldn't do the ups and downs, you know, between any of these bullpen sessions that they had. Obviously, you know, with this everything going on, you can't send him anywhere to get any kind of, uh, you know, uh, any kind of rehab innings for any of the minor league affiliates. So you're trying to work a guy back to yeah. shape in bullpen scenarios in which he's never really doing the things he needs to do within a game. And he only got two bullpen-type outings for himself and never really simulated the up and down that is involved in a start. You can go out there and throw 30 or so pitches and probably feel all right in the bullpen, but you knew that he was going to be going beyond 30 pitches. And as a matter of fact, once he got on the other side of that, 29 pitches through the first two innings of six up and six down, that third inning was really not cooperative for him at all. We are taking your calls here on the Atlanta Playoff postgame show. Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney with you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Let's go out to Carson, who is a Braves fan in Kentucky after what was a tough night for the Braves up in Philadelphia. Carson, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How are y'all doing? Doing as well as we can after the game that we all just watched. Yeah, that was pretty tough. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, do you really think after tonight's performance from Strider, he's really worth $75 million? I mean, the guy's been doing good all year, but it seems like in the spotlight, he's not doing as good as we think. Well, I, I appreciate the call, and certainly that wasn't the way that he wanted it to all start, but let's not kid ourselves here. Spencer Strider was coming off that long layoff. He was coming off an oblique injury that, you know, I don't think he's going to make any excuses out of that, and I don't think that the oblique was necessarily a big problem for him, but we'll find out in the post game if it was something that bothered him at all. But let me go ahead and tell you about that contract. It's a pretty darn good one. Spencer Strider is one of the best young pitchers in baseball, and there are 29 other clubs that would love to have him under contract for the next six or seven years. Be that as it may, a tough one for the Braves tonight. 9-1 to the final score. They lost game three of the NLDS to the Philadelphia Phillies. It's the Atlanta Playoff postgame show. Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney with you. Get your calls in at 404-741-0929. Braves fall to the Phillies. we got more after this on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome back into the Atlanta playoff postgame show. Grant McCauley alongside Corey McCartney in the Kia Studios live on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game following National League Division Series Game 3. A loss for the Braves, a big win for the Phillies. 9-1 to the final score as Philadelphia takes a two-games-to-one lead over the Braves in this series and pushes it into Game 4. Corey, uncharted territory for the Braves who are facing an elimination game for the first time since back in the 2020 NLCS. Braves made their magical run through 2021 without having to deal with one of these things, but now they're going to have to, I think, wake up to bats and get some stuff going because the Braves' offense has really been struggling at times in this series. Yeah, history not on their side, by the way. They're two and nine in series, and once they lose Game Three to go down two one, they haven't won one of those won one of those series since the 1996 LCS. And yeah, the offense. I mean, they go one for nine with runners in scoring position tonight. Strand seven. I mean, it was this offense was predicated on its length. The six through nine spots in the order were combined third and way to run created plus. They were 0 for 12 in game two, 2 for 16 tonight. And as a team, they're hitting 195. That's 25 for 128 in this series. And that's frankly, I mean, just yeah, that's not, not going to get, get it done. done. No. I mean, I believe they were 0 for their first 30, if I'm not mistaken, in the series. And that was in the early innings of the game. Of course, you know, the at-bats continued to pile up, but the hits were not piling up for the Braves on this night. It took Orlando Arcia to spark a little something off the bench and get anything going against Aaron Nola. And he didn't even start against Aaron Nola because his career numbers, quite frankly, were pretty awful. And they thought maybe, you know, the rookie Vaughn Grissom could grind out some at-bats, but Vaughn was not alone in being carved up by Nola, who went six innings and allowed just five hits. The one run he allowed was unearned. Reese Hoskins dropped a, a relay to first base. If he hadn't, I don't think the Braves would have scored on this night. And, of course, we know what went on for the Philadelphia Phillies. But the Braves not scoring the offense in this uh, this series clearly has uh, left a little bit to be desired. They made the late run in game one. They scored just enough in game two, and the Braves pitching did its part in game two as well. Pitching was unable to do its part. Offense unable to get going. It was just an all-around rough outing for Brian Snitker's club. We'll hear from the Braves skipper a little bit later here on the Atlanta Playoff postgame show. Make sure you give us a call and let us know what's on your mind as the Braves will face elimination in game four of this series. Charlie Morton will be on the mound. We'll hear from him a little bit later. 404-741-0929 is that number. we got a few tweets rolling in here. Uh, pretty sure Elizabeth says that if she called in right now, it would violate FCC rules, but she's going <laughs> to tune in to a bunch of things and uh, a bunch of the show and listen to us as we go through this thing. And, you know, I, I just feel like she's probably speaking for a lot of uh, Braves fans. And, you know, based on some of the reactions that we've gotten, you know, there's some frustration about it because, you know, you lose in a way that is as thorough, I guess, would be the word, as this one was for the Philadelphia Phillies. They dominated offensively and they dominated on the mound. And, uh, we got another tweet here from Mr. E. It is what it is. Braves set up to win tomorrow. If they can bring the sticks, if not, it may just not be our year. And I think that might be a pretty succinct way of putting it. Let's go back out to the phone lines here again. 404-741-0929. If you have, if you have a uh, comment on the game or some thoughts or questions as we go through and get this thing ready uh, for game four, and we continue on the Atlanta playoff postgame show, uh, we are going to, Corey, I think, 
have to look at Charlie Morton's bigger resume to get a better idea of what kind of pitcher that he is and what kind of pitcher he can be in these games. Because when it comes down to it, for postseason resume on either team, nobody has a better one than Charlie Morton. Yeah, Brandon Friedman, by the way, has tweeted this at it. In playoff elimination games, Morton is 5-0 and with a 7-0 ERA. Um, certainly that's not been indicative of what we've seen out of him of late. A 6-2-3 RA in his last five starts, 5-4-7 on the season against the Phillies. That includes six runs on six hits and four and two-thirds the last time he saw them, September 25th at Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies are hitting 301, 375, 437 against him. That's an 8-12 OPS, three home runs, two by Kyle Schwarber. Uh, but again, this is the guy you mentioned. It. This He has the postseason resume. You think about that comment there from Brandon. 5-0 and with a .70 ERA in elimination games, and that is clearly the Charlie Morton that the Braves are going to be hoping for that they get Saturday in Philly. Yeah, they're going to need that guy to show up big time. And, of course, we know Charlie Morton was brought back for next season to help be a veteran anchor for this rotation. I talked to Brian Snicker earlier this week about what it is that Charlie can do to turn things around or an adjustment that he could make you know, in order to get back to being the guy that we all expect him to be. And he said it's just simply – Charlie's a guy who's always looking to get better, and he continues to do that in between starts. Even when the results aren't there for him, the work never stops. The preparation never stops. And we'll hear a little bit more from Charlie Morton later, but I feel like Brian Snitker, as well as you know all of Braves country at this point, is going to be leaning on the fact that Charlie's got this experience. you got to put the ball in his hand and see what he's able to do. So obviously, you know when you look at what happened with Spencer Strider tonight and you think about Morton in that resume – did they make the wrong choice in going with Strider in Game 3? I think that's a, that's a question that a lot of people are going to have. If you knew that you were only going to use him for a couple of innings and you have the potential of having to play in three consecutive games, obviously they didn't have to hit a touch a lot of the really high-end, yeah. high-leverage bullpen arms, but I, I think that's going to be a decision that could ultimately be something that's going to come back on this team. I don't know that I would worry too much about that, and I said this before the game, that I felt like Spencer Strider in Game 3, given his head-to-head value and, and what he'd done against the Phillies, it was pretty much utter domination this year. He faced him four times, he beat him four times, one of those was in relief, but in his three starts, he was absolutely dominant against his Phillies club, and you were well-rested heading into the NLDS. You used a handful of arms in the first game. You used your high-leverage guys in the second game. Then you got another off day. So it's not like the Braves' bullpen has been overly taxed. And I think if you're looking for it in a game that you knew that you could be set up to do a thing like this, Game 3, to me, makes a little bit more sense than Game 4 because if, say, Game 3, Charlie's not able to do the things, you use all the bullpen, then this kind of thing happens to Spencer Strider in Game 4. Well, you know, this, the series is over, the season is over, and you can worry about using guys in spring training at that point. But I think you have to try to win the day, and I think the Braves did the best they could with going with an arm that had been, to this point, one of the best head-to-head options against the Phillies. The big thing, I think, Corey, that we'll always be wondering about is, you know, what if Spencer Strider had not had to go through this whole oblique thing? How much different would things have looked in the final couple of weeks of the season? Of course, the Braves won the East, so you don't have to really, you know, use any hindsight on that. But in this series and in the lead-up to this series, you know, how many days do we go to the ballpark thinking, all right, well, who's throwing game three? We had to ask Brian Stitker multiple times. We didn't find out until yeah. this morning. So it's yeah. just been one of those things. It was such a bizarre scenario, right? I mean, you, literally going up two hours before the game day. And, and you, when they put out their media availability for uh, for today, they said they were going to have their Game 4 starter talk first. And I wondered if they were literally just going to bring out whoever was going to be the Game 4 starter then let us put two and two together who was starting Game 3 because it was just such a, a bizarre situation. But um, not the Spencer Strider that we thought, you know, that we'd seen so much nope. of. And, you, again, you just wonder how much momentum, having to chase down the Mets and then having to sit back and have that rest, how much that kind of just took them out of that mode that they were in for the last couple months before that, basically playing postseason baseball for weeks.
Yeah, and that is a big thing that was going on in September. But, I mean, I don't think you want to see this Braves team go into a National League wild card with a sick Max Freed and Spencer Strider unavailable for you. You might have been nope. having an earlier season exit than you could be facing in the National League Division Series. That's just kind of how it breaks down. This is the Atlanta Playoff postgame show. Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney on Sports Radio 92.9. The game, 404-741-0929. Let's go out to champ. I understand that you were watching the same game I was, and you might have seen a couple of things in this game that were a tad bit frustrating. Champ, how you doing? Doing good, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I just uh, the home plate umpiring just wasn't for the Braves at all. Um, a lot of calls that could have went our ways that would have helped with that third inning and uh, just in general, they, we just weren't catching the calls that we have been in the past. So yeah. that, that was my thoughts for sure. Yeah, well, I appreciate your call, Champ. And I did look at that, and there were a handful of calls in this game. And, look, I'm uh, Corey, you know, as, as much as anybody, somebody who wants to see the strike zone just be consistent and, and not just consistent like, oh, well, that's a foot outside, but he's called it a strike all night. But, I mean, consistent and, like, close to what it should be. And there were some times and some calls in this game that it didn't work out. And I do feel like that might have helped out or hurt in a, in a place or two. But in a 9-1 game, it's harder to look at that and know for sure that, you know, it's anything other than frustrating. But we have seen a lot of that this year, and perhaps with technology and all the changes Major League Baseball could make in the future, we'll get an opportunity to meet our robot overlords in that regard. But uh, let's go back out to the phones. Uh, Vincent, uh, welcome into the Atlanta Playoff postgame show. What's on your mind? Um, I just didn't understand the, the lineup strategy. Uh, first with Spencer uh, being in. Um, I, I thought it was too soon. Uh, I think just a week and a half ago, he, mm-hmm. he just started picking up a ball. Uh, uh, Azuma was in it. He was in the lineup. He he can't hit a beach ball. I, don't, I didn't understand that strategy either. Um, to the point where I, I think I think it's over. Uh, we just got to get the Phillies their credit, man. Uh, it's not so much about the Braves playing bad. It's more so the Phillies are playing good. They they putting the ball in play. Uh, they doing what they need to do to get the runners uh, aboard, and yep. they also they also swinging swinging the bat good when the runners is on base. Uh, the Braves are has been horrible this season. I mean, this series uh, with the runners on base, um, it, it's been ridiculous. Thank you for taking my call, and uh, we let's hope for a miracle. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, miracles have been found in October by this Braves club not too long ago, and let's hope there's another one up their sleeves. But I think you bring up a lot of interesting points in terms of, you know, what can you do to get this lineup going, Corey? Because I know there were a couple of changes, in particular Vaughn Grissom and Orlando RC. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I think that's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I don't know that that's a really big change. But when it comes to DH, you know, could you have William Contreras in there over Marcelo Zuna? Is this just a matter of experience winning out over, you know, a smaller sample size? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, Zuna has three career home runs against Aaron Nola. I mean, obviously you're, you're playing the odds there that, you know, maybe he's going to run into one and, you know, what he's, he's capable of. But certainly, I mean, it, as much as you want to pinpoint certain guys in this, I mean, when you've got Swanson, O'Reilly, uh, Swanson, Olson, and and Riley going to combine one for ten in this game, I'm, to his credit, Olson had a couple walks. Yeah. But when those three guys are not producing, I mean, that's that's the the, the most critical part of this lineup. It, it is, and obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. has been getting on base, but not being able to score a whole bunch of runs in this series tonight. He was on a couple of more times, one of them on an error, I believe. But you know, after that, Dansby and. Austin Riley both been looking for some hits. I think Matt Olson's had a couple of moments here where he's knocked in some runs for the Braves, hit that big three-run homer to kind of make the first one look a little bit closer than maybe it was in actuality. But 
you know, it's those four guys are always going to be the ones that are focused on because they're the ones that are supposed to be getting the big hits. But when you do look at six through nine in the order, and whether it's Marcelo Zuna or Eddie Rosario or William Contreras or, I mean, Travis Darno has swung the bat pretty well in this series great. by five, and large. Five hits. You yeah. know, yeah, he's doing his thing. But after that, everything gets a little bit questionable. Of course, Michael Harris has been really struggling to find some base hits. I've noticed him hitting the ball hard. He hit the ball hard a couple of times against Zach Wheeler. He had a gapper that was run down in the first game. This was not his night, and there's going to be somewhere he's going to take an 0 for 4, an 0 for 5, or you know, 1 for 5, or whatever it is. I mean, he knocked in the only run, but you're going to have to get more than just asking those four guys to carry everything. It's going to take the Braves doing the thing they did so well this year, and that's having that 1 through 9, where if you make a mistake at any part in the lineup, somebody can hurt you. Yeah, I mean, that bottom of the order, like I said before, was so good. Third and combined, way to run, create a plus. But I, I think the thing with Riley, he was 0 for 4 in game 3, 1 for 8 in the first two games, so he's 1 for 12 in this series. He has a 203 average since September 20th, which is the worst of any Brave with at least 34 plate appearances. This is not the Riley that we saw with a 269 way to run, create a plus in July. That dipped to 110 in August, 101 in September and October. Um, he, he's just been on a, on, on a little bit of a slide here. And I think about Swanson, Olsen and Riley and Olsen had a really nice finish but those guys were among the six players in the majors that played the most games in the most innings yeah and I just wonder how much you know again having to run down the Mets and needing those guys out there all the time ended up impacting their health and their how fresh they are in October yeah I guess I could say that if they hadn't just had five days off prior to this series and then then that goes back to the other conversation we were having which was you know what does that five games mean but then again I'll look back into 2021 and say they had four games off. Then they came out and lost the opener. Then they won game two. And then now, obviously, game three did not go their way. But this series is not over. There's a lot of mileage left to go. And if Charlie Morton is able to do his thing the way he has in past postseasons, the Braves are hoping to bring this thing back to Atlanta for a game five. That's the scenario they're looking for. Can they get it done? We're going to hear from Charlie Morton as the Atlanta playoff postgame show continues. We'll also hear from Braves manager Brian Snitker coming up next. Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney with you on the Atlanta playoff postgame show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
Well, probably not the most fun game to be breaking down, but it is what it is. Game three of the National League Division Series goes to the Philadelphia Phillies, who blow out the Braves by a 9-1 score to take a 2-1 lead in this series. Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney with you on Sports Radio 92.9, the game from the Kia Studios as our Atlanta playoff postgame show continues. Hey, Corey, we're going to hear from Brian Snitker here as he talked about you know, the things that the Braves were hoping to see from Spencer Strider, how things played out, and obviously we're going to be hearing about where it's going to go from here. Let's hear from the Braves skipper who just talked to the media up in Philadelphia. What were your expectations of Spencer? and When did, when did you start to see him fatigue there in the third? Well, I mean, that's I kind of when he – I thought we wanted him to go four was originally. And then I thought if he could get out of that third, then that's going to be it. But, you know, it didn't happen. He had such a strong first two innings. Did you, but then walks the first batter in the third on four, did you see right away something was off? And then as a follow-up, I don't think you got anybody up in the bullpen to warm up until yeah. after the double or something. Yeah, no, it was, you know, I thought still he, you know, was able to, you know, I, I just, as good as he was throwing, you know, I just, we thought we could skate him through. Snit, was there a conversation with him at all um, when he came out as to how he was feeling? No, he said he felt great. You know, he said everything felt good, and, and um, uh, yeah, I mean. His velo on that home run was 93.8, so he felt good physically. Yeah, I mean, he even said that, you know, he didn't know why he was asked, you know, we asked him on that velocity, and he said, no, I threw, you know, I thought I threw it really good. didn't get there. You know, so, I mean, he felt good. It's just, you know, I guess in, you know, hindsight, it is, you know, he was so good the first two that, I, I don't know, maybe we got kind of, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think we all know that this was just one of those things that hindsight's going to lead you to all kinds of different scenarios. And he was good. The first two was Spencer Striders. We just heard from Braves manager Brian Snicker. But, Corey, I think everybody kind of watches the velocity for Spencer Strider because it's usually one of the most exciting things about his start. We saw it, the high-octane fastball in the first couple of innings. That 93.8-mile-an-hour fastball to Reese Hoskins we didn't see for very long because it got deposited over the left field wall. But it is good to know that physically he did not face a setback that would, you know, limit him even further. And this has already been a taxing month of September into October. Yeah, I mean, that, that five-mile-an-hour uh, drop from his season average is just, I mean, I think there, there comes a point where you get so caught up in the early results that maybe you're looking at the numbers and, and questioning, okay, maybe he can still get us through this. But I, the, the yeah. numbers literally don't lie. I think they just, I just think they, they got way too caught up in the early success without just uh, accepting the numbers they were, they were, they were seeing that was showing that he just wasn't the same. Well, keep in mind, the early success was like five minutes prior to that, so yeah. it had not been a terribly long time. And while we do sit from afar and look at it, I can understand thinking that, hey, Spencer Strider has gotten through lineups and, and gotten to this Phillies club time and time again. But even Brian Snitker admitted, like, we were just trying to get him through that third inning if we could. Obviously, some things devolved in that third inning. How much did they devolve? Well, quite a bit. Because when you talk about the leadoff walk, the error that sends a runner all the way around to third, that was Brandon Marsh. And then you've got the Bryson Stott nine-pitch at bat where I felt like Spencer, you know, the, the pitch selection helped out Stott. That made it one nothing. you know, intentional walk to Cal Schwarber, three-run homer to Reese Hoskins, first pitch. JT Romuto, single to left, first pitch. Bryce Harper, hey, how you doing, Dylan Lee? Two-run homer, first pitch. In the span of four pitches, this game became a 6 nothing ball game. It happened very quickly. So 
it, it all just kind of points to the hopes and, and the expectations and the, and the wishes for what Spencer Strider can be and is and might have looked like in the first two innings. It all just came crashing back to earth, I guess, is my major point. Yeah, look, moments define the postseason, right? We can go back to game two, and it was Ronald Cooney Jr. getting plunked and Zach, you know, by Zach Wheeler in those few moments in between. They're just sparking everything for this yep. team. You go ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, excuse me, and then the Braves had the lead. And tonight it was that it was that throwing error and that nine-pitch A-B and then everything just started to go downhill for Spencer Strider. Yeah, it's October. Base runners are rallying. The Phillies certainly proved that. Let's hear some more from Brian Snitker as he looks ahead to what the Braves are facing in Game 4 with Charlie Morton on the mound down two games to one to the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. Your team's overcome adversity a lot of times. How good or how encouraging is it to know that you have Morton and Free? No, it's, it's really, you know, I mean, we got to win one in a row right now is what we got to do. And we got the perfect guy out there to do it. I think Charlie's been in these situations many times. And, um, you know, until we need to, we need to start scoring some runs also. I mean, it's regardless of all that. I mean, we just, you know, we can't, we haven't been able to mount any significant offense. So regardless, I mean, we score more, you know, score some more. Back left. Sned, your team never, last year never faced elimination in one game in the whole postseason. How different is this situation than anything you've seen before? Yeah, well, I mean, we've been in these games before. A lot of these guys have, but uh, you're right. We didn't face one last year, but, you know, now, like I say, we just, it's, we've got to go out and win one in a row is what we have to do. So, um, you know, and, and <clears throat> yeah. I, I trust these guys because we've been in tough spots before over the last few years. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I, they're going to come out and lay it out there to, to win one more game. That's Braves manager Brian Snitker talking after the Braves' 9-1 loss in Game 3 of the National League Division Series. As we join you here on the Atlanta Playoff Postgame Show, Grant McCauley, Corey McCartney with you. You know, and as you look at what is ahead for the Braves, because they have been, I think, the masters of, hey, yesterday didn't work out, and now we're going to shift all of our focus onto today. Not the day after tomorrow, but we're going to focus on what we have in front of us, and the Braves have been known to really take that one-day-at-a-time approach and use it to great results. It helped them win 101 ball games after an incredibly slow start to the season, and you do have the, I think, one of the, if not the pitcher that you want on the mound in terms of big-game experience in Charlie Morton, and this is going to be one of the biggest games he's thrown in a Braves uniform. I mean, what about these last two years makes people think that this team can't handle adversity? I mean, they didn't get when to When you find out, you let me know. I mean, they didn't get to 500 until August 6th last year. They were down 10 and a half games in this division June 1st. They own the ability to overcome adversity. You talk about, you know, facing an elimination game here. I mean, obviously they've been they've overcome so much yeah. to this point. I mean, they got a guy on the mound in Charlie Morton that can obviously perform in these situations. I realize it feels like the sky's falling when Max Fried and Spencer Strider, two of your givens in this rotation, weren't. At, at weren't. One of them, you know, just wasn't himself after the illness. One of them wasn't himself after the injury. Uh, I mean, I realize the situation they're in, but they have overcome so much in these past couple of years to think that they can't handle an elimination game. I think the answer to the question is years of conditioning, but you would think last year there would be some kind of release for it because the Braves did do very well, and all jokes aside, and they have been a resilient club all year, and they've been a resilient club for the last five seasons to just continue to build and advance and move forward, and you ain't going to win them all, but you know the Braves have found a way to win some games and some big moments, and you know I think that you just look at Saturday as the next big opportunity to win a big game. The guy who's going to be on the mound for the Braves in order to do that is Charlie Morton. He is the veteran stalwart in this Braves rotation, and we heard from him before this game. So let's hear a little bit from what Charlie Morton is um, 
I guess, focusing on as he looks to make a game plan for the Philadelphia Phillies because this is a club that he faced five times in the regular season. He did not beat them. Let's hear from Charlie Morton. They seem to have kind of fluctuated in their approaches, and you know, we saw a little bit of that at the end of the year, a lot of trying to put the ball in play, go the other way. Like the game you saw against Max, it was like they weren't getting too greedy. They were staying with an approach, trying to go the other way, kind of like what you saw from the Mets at the beginning of the year. So I've looked at the video, I've looked at the numbers, and you know, we're working on a game plan and trying to get something together. And that's kind of a, a tough approach that a team has to pitch against because they're seeming to stay inside themselves and just pass the baton. So. You know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the game plan and go from there. I'm sure all those conversations have already taken place, Corey, and we know that Charlie Morton has pitched some big games. You dropped the stat on us when it comes to elimination games. Charlie Morton is one of the best pitchers in the game right now, and he has been throughout the course of his career. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has been fantastic in these situations. And, you know, I mean, I think you're going to see a game plan very similar, I think, to what Kyle Wright did. You know, obviously he's been so good with the curveball. He's thrown many, more of them than anybody in baseball, and Kyle Wright yeah. was right behind him. And you think about the effectiveness that Wright had with that curveball uh, against the Phillies in Game 2. I mean, Morton, 5-0, and a .70 ERA is your statistic there with him in elimination games. I think you're going to see a very similar approach to what Wright had, and we saw the success that he had with six scoreless uh, against this team in Game 2. Yeah, Charlie Morton against Philadelphia this year, 0-1 in five starts, a 547 ERA. The long ball bit him, and of course, Citizens Bank Park, as we, if we needed a reminder, got one in Game 3. It's a park that can play kind of small, and if you make a mistake, the Phillies have got a club very much good enough to take you out of the yard. So as you looked at it, we didn't know who was going to start Game 3 and thus who was going to start Game 4. Well, Charlie Morton didn't really know that much until the last 24 hours as well. Let's hear from Charlie Morton on how he prepared for whichever game he was going to start. Now, of course, we know it's Game 4. I threw a pen based on the possibility of throwing today. Uh, I looked at the scouting stuff preceding that, I mean, several days ago, starting to, and just with the anticipation of throwing today or tomorrow. And the schedule right now, I mean, like the last time I threw was, I don't remember what day that was, but it's the postseason. You just got to be ready to throw when, when they call on you. Wow, it sounds like sometimes I don't remember what day it is when you got this many games going on, but right now I think Charlie made the best point you can possibly make. You just got to be ready when you're called upon and when the bell rings to go out there and you know give his club a great start. And, and we talked about Charlie last year. He was nails for the Braves in the postseason, and they were able to overcome losing him to a broken leg in his first start of the World Series and somehow throw a couple of bullpen games and beat the Houston Astros. So as you talked about, when it comes to overcoming adversity and what this club is known for, they have been able to overcome it. But we're hoping to see Charlie Morton give the Braves a start they very much need a la Kyle Wright, who really delivered in Game 2 for Atlanta. I think you heard in that, those comments the temperament that makes Morton such an effective choice in this kind of a situation. I mean, the guy just doesn't, doesn't, rattle. It doesn't rattle whatsoever. And, you know, obviously, you know, you know, if he would have gone tonight, we, we talked about what that would have ultimately meant you know, for taxing the bullpen if things had not gone with Spencer Strider potentially in Game 4. I, I mean, I, I think in, you know, in hindsight they will have made the right choice, but this is, a, you know, this is a guy who's been there before. He's done this before, and the, you know, he, he did run into some trouble against this Phillies team in the past. You know, he had a 726 OPS against him career. Uh, Gene Segura's taken him deep a couple times. Kyle Schwarber's taken him deep a couple times. Bryce Harper has. Um, but again, I think the, the game plan of riding that curveball, a pitch that this team has struggled with, is going to be the biggest piece of the puzzle for him on Saturday. It's known to be the pitch that Charlie Morton is able to just carve up lineups with. He's had a great curveball, and a lot of the peripherals for it haven't really looked that much different this year. The one thing that has, of course, is he does hit a lot of batters, not necessarily walking a lot of guys, but 
It was home runs this year that really bit Charlie Morton as well. A career-high 28 of those allowed in 2022. That's something he'll be looking to limit in his Game 4 start against the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's hear one more from Charlie Morton, who, of course, as Corey just mentioned, is no stranger to pitching in big games in October. So what is that mentality? Charlie Morton talked about that prior to Game 3. I don't really think that that feeling goes away. You kind of learn how to, to navigate a little bit better, um, maybe mentally, emotionally. But there's really nothing you can do. I mean, it doesn't matter the amount of the prep or self-talk or whatever you got. You know, it is what it is. It's, it's a big moment, and especially if you've never done it before, it's just like anything else that means a lot to you and other people that you're going through. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, it doesn't get much more even keel than that. I mean, that's Charlie Morton, the Braves Game 4 starter, who's going to be looking to send this series back to Atlanta for a decisive Game 5 on Sunday if all goes according to plan. But, uh, Corey, as we've heard from him, we've heard from Braves manager Brian Snitker, and we turn our attention ahead to Game 4, and then, of course, you know, maybe to Game 5. We'll find out on Saturday. You know, what are the keys for the Braves in a Game 4? And I think it's going to start with the good start from Charlie Morton if we're throwing out the obvious and the cliche and the – things that you are certainly hoping for. But this Braves offense is going to have to wake up. It's going to have to find the big hits that have been in short supply in the series. Yeah, absolutely. And Noah Syndergaard is going to be starting for the Phillies. He has one inning in the postseason since 2016, and that came in Game 2. I mean, it's just nowhere near as close as the resume or the experience level that you're talking about with Morton. And the Braves have had some success against him. Um, you know, they've got a few guys that have homered, uh, you know, Ronald Cooney Jr. is taking him deep. Marcelo Zuna's got the most plate appearances again uh, against him, so don't be surprised if you see him being out there, just that yeah. familiarity that he has, you know, in facing center guard. I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, but uh, Dansby's got a 974 OPS against him, so if you're looking for an opportunity to break out, I think this could be a real chance for him. They, they, the Braves need him to get going. He didn't have the best of postseasons last year. He's had his struggles this postseason. Uh, this feels like the kind of moment where Dansby could break out. Yeah, they could certainly use some patented Dansby's wants and big clutch hits. He's Provided some of those we saw in kind of what I felt like was a bit of a playoff preview and sweeping away the New York Mets at Truist Park to end September and opened up October. Can the Braves dig back into that bag of tricks and hand a few out to the Philadelphia Phillies and their starter? However long he goes, Noah Syndergaard, who is a bit different as far as the octane is concerned this year as to the guy you might remember with the 9,900 mile an hour fastball from his days with the New York Mets. Not quite the same guy anymore. Well, Corey, it was a tough one for the Braves on this day. 9-1, to the final score in Game 3. Enjoyed talking to you as always. I appreciate your help. Sun will come out tomorrow, Braves country. Hey, the sun always does. It might be behind the clouds, but we'll make it work. The Braves and the Phillies will meet again for Game 4 of the National League Division Series on Saturday afternoon, and we'll be with you on the Atlanta Playoff postgame show following that one. For Corey McCartney, I'm Grant McCauley. This is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.